Hey, this is Dave DeBoe. Would you like to access private capital so that you can buy more properties and scale your real estate business? Then check out my brand new podcast. It's called the How to Raise Capital 101 Show. Now, the first nine episodes are a mini course on how to raise six figures in a matter of weeks and seven figures in a matter of months, even if you're starting from scratch. So you can find this new show. Again, it's called the How to Raise Capital 101 Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Or feel free to visit us at RaiseCapital101Show.com. Hey everybody, Dave DeBoe, Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Let me ask you a question. Are you wondering what the heck's going on with the market, where it's going to go, what's going to happen, all that kind of stuff? Is now a good time to be investing? Where should we be investing? What should we be investing in? Well, you got those questions like most of us do. You're going to want to pay very close attention to today's guest, Jason Hartman, because Jason has it dialed in when it comes to picking markets. He's been in the real estate investing business for many, many, many years. He's done thousands of transactions. He's helped hundreds and thousands of other people get into real estate investing and do it successfully. He's helped people buy properties in the right markets. So Jason, glad to have you on the show. Dave, it's great to be here. All right, my friend. So we got a lot of turmoil going on in the market, in the world at the time that we're recording this podcast episode. What's your take on things when it comes to where's the market heading? Is there really even a way to say the market? Because there's so many different markets within the United States, within North America. What are your thoughts on this? Well, that's a good point that you raised, Dave. You know, there's an old saying in real estate, all real estate is local. And that is most definitely true. There is no such thing as a national market in a country as large and diverse as the United States. Yeah. But for the purpose of discussion and statistics and time and brevity, we're just going to look at things nationally today because we will not have time to drill down. There are almost 400 MSAs in the country. There are over 3,100 counties. There are over 9,000 cities. It's a huge country. Right. So there's a lot of local markets. But I think your audience will be very interested in what I have to share in terms of what's going on nationally. And they might be pretty surprised at what I'm going to share today. Well, so. perfect. Well, let's jump right in. So show us show us what you've come up with as the big picture of what's going on nationally with the real estate market. Yeah. So, you know, everybody is extremely concerned about the interest rates going up. Obviously, housing prices have risen dramatically over the last couple of years. And I just want everybody to remember, Dave, that during the COVID times, when that started, everybody thought that was the end of the world. All of the real estate investor friends of mine were having this same conversation. They say, I've got lots of cash. I've got lots of dry powder. I'm not going to make the mistakes I made during the Great Recession, you know, 14 years or 12 to 14 years ago, depending on how you count. And uh, I'm ready this time. By the end of the year, there's going to be a bloodbath. There's going to be deals galore. I'm going to scoop up everything. Yeah. And the complete opposite happened. <laughs> yeah, all of our crystal balls kind of cracked at that time. That's for sure. Well, just for the record, that was never my crystal ball. Well, there you I go. never thought yeah. that was going to happen, but some did, obviously, and you know, they had they had good they had good reasons to think that, given uh, you know that the reference point then was the Spanish flu, and so you know none of us knew, right? None of us really knew, but we found out that COVID was 
just a really bad case of the flu, mostly, right? And, you know, the powers that be that want to control the world and, you know, control us, uh, you know, they had their message and, you know, had their objectives. But what we see now with interest rates having been historically low, literally the lowest they were in 5,000 years, we saw a market that just got lit on fire. And I'm very critical of the Federal Reserve for not raising rates sooner. They should have done it much sooner. They should have never let the economy run so hot like they did. And they should have raised them more gradually. They didn't. Here we are. And so now they're shocking the system and it's it's pretty sudden. So the next couple of months are going to be a key time in understanding what is going on. But here's what might surprise people. And that is that real estate's really quite a bit cheaper than people think, believe it or not. I know that may sound like an incredible statement. And remember, nobody really buys a house on the price of the house. They buy it on the payment of the house. Okay. And so this is a chart from the St. Louis Federal Reserve, and it just basically shows mortgage debt service payments as a percentage of disposable income. And it's pretty amazing, right? The mortgage debt was extremely low during just when the COVID lockdowns, the first round of them lifted, okay. and interest rates were incredibly low and prices had not really had their run yet. So that was the time when that burden was the lowest. But now it's actually still pretty low. It's not the lowest it's been, but it's still pretty low. Now, you might notice that on this chart, I have whited out. And I'll just let people that are just listening to this as a podcast episode know that Jason's sharing a chart with us here. You can check that all out on our YouTube channel if you're not watching it there right now. Sorry, go ahead there, Jason. And by the way, just for your listeners, these slides and a whole bunch of other slides of mine from prior speaking engagements and so forth are available at jasonhartman.com slash slides. Perfect. So they can get graphs and charts until their heart's content. We'll put that uh, in the show notes as well. Hundreds of slides. Okay. Excellent. Thank so, you. So there you go. But when I take this white covering away, you're going to be really amazed because here's how it looks now. Wow. This debt burden going back to 2015, you can see that it has just decreased, decreased, decreased. And these mortgage payments have become much more comfortable, comfortable for people. When everybody's screaming about housing so expensive, well, right. they're right if you compare it to 18 months ago, but they're not right if you compare it to a longer point of history. Very interesting. It would be it would be interesting to see what does it look like to go back to 2015, but like what does it look like over decades, kind of thing. I'm well. glad you asked, my friend. Oh, well, there you go. I said here it is. Fancy <laughs> <laughs> that. Nice. Okay, this is a really interesting graph, you guys. So yeah. Now we go back it. to 1984. Okay, we go back to the 80s, the early 80s. Yeah. And you see that the mortgage debt burden on households was much higher back then, and it got dramatically worse into wow. the 90s and the 2000s, and it was highest right before the Great Recession. Interesting. And we had a Great Recession, and there was a big shakeout, and prices collapsed. Of course they did, Yeah, as they should have, right? Because it was just, the burden was too high. 
And the burden has been just declining, declining, declining ever since. It was the lowest it's ever been for decades, right when those first COVID lockdowns lifted. Hmm. Okay. And now it's a little higher than that, but it is still historically low. Here's why everybody thinks housing so expensive. It's because of something called hedonic adaptation. We as humans just keep raising our expectations. We are never content. That's the nature of human psychology. No right. matter what we get, we want more, we want better. And that's exactly what we're doing here. We're just expecting more. I we're, mean, we're, expe you, we're expecting these incredibly low interest rates that we got used to to become the norm. Now they aren't. They're kind of going back to normal and everybody's up in arms. They sure are. They sure right. are. And the size of the average American household has gotten much larger. Hmm. So you're getting more house. And of course, newer homes are better. They've got better fixtures, faucets, countertops, everything, right? So it's just a different world. When people really drill down on this stuff and compare it, they see that the picture is not as the complainers would have them believe. This is so, really interesting. So what are we looking at here, Jason, this real mortgage payment? We're going from 1970 to 2022. Yeah. So, so over 52 years of mortgage payments, right? Okay. In what's called nominal dollars, which just means the name of dollars, right? That's nothing. It's just the amount of dollars. Yeah, everybody thinks it's more expensive because in 1970, the mortgage payment on the median price home was only $127. Wow. And today it's $1,900, right? Yeah. But when you adjust it for inflation, because those dollars are worth less, right? It's not really that the mortgage payment has gone up. It's that the value of the dollar has gone down. Mm -hmm. Okay. That $127 payment, according to the consumer price index, the official government statistic is 257 today. So in real dollars, according to the CPI, it is double okay. almost, almost double, right? So that's significant. So that's significant. Yeah. But Nobody believes the CPI because we know they understate the CPI, right. the Consumer Price Index. So there's a website you might be aware of, you probably are, it's called shadowstats.com. And I interviewed the founder, John Williams, on my podcast. And what Shadowstats does is they simply use the old way the government used to calculate the Consumer Price Index. Okay. What happened is we had tremendous inflation in the 1970s and into the early 80s until our Federal Reserve Chair, as Reagan was president, Paul Volcker, broke the back of inflation by raising interest rates to enormous levels. Mm -hmm. And it was very painful. I'm hoping Jerome Powell, our current Fed chair, does not think he's Paul Volcker. He certainly didn't before. And so hopefully he doesn't get too radical with these increases. But, you know. He's, he's raising the rates for sure. Yeah. And what happened is they started manipulating the consumer price index so they could lie to us better, okay, and understate inflation. And if you just use the old way of figuring it, not any different formula, just the government's method, the way they used to figure it. Here's apples the way to that apples, works. in other words, right? Yeah. Apples to apples. To apples. I'm going to add a column here. This is Holy the apples crap. to apples column. So that $127 payment 52 years ago is equivalent to exactly $76 today. 
That's hard to believe. It is hard to believe. So the mortgage burden, literally, and you saw the chart from the Federal Reserve. Now, that one doesn't go back to 1970, but it goes back to 19 early 80s. And in 1980, it was 241. That was when we had really high interest rates and we had high inflation coming into that. Right. Yeah. So I know that's a little hard for people to believe. Right. But that's the government's own methodology. So, so basically, if, if I'm understanding this right, and forgive me if I'm not, Jason, but yep. what the chart showing is back in 1970, the mortgage payment for an average house was $127 in 1970 dollars, right? Yep. Fast forward to today, and using the same numbers that the government used to use to calculate the price index, it's actually the equivalent of $76 back in 1970. So our our $1,900 mortgage payment today is the equivalent of $76 back in 1970. Is that what I'm understanding? Yes. If you had the dollar with the same value it had 52 years ago, and you paid your mortgage payment today, you would only be paying the equivalent of $76. Wow. Yeah. So $1,900 today is the equivalent of $76 back in 1970. That's what I'm... By the way, they used to calculate the consumer price index until around 1980 when they started manipulating it. Oh. But if you don't want to go by that, then go by the actual consumer price index, and it's 257 today. Right. Okay? So it just depends which way you look at it. Wow, that's another fantastic idea. Hold on to that thought for a sec. We'll be right back. Now, are you a real estate investor who's run out of cash or credit to grow your portfolio? Are you looking to grow your portfolio using other people's money and raising capital? Well, I want to show you how to raise six figures or more in six weeks or less at my upcoming Investor Attraction Workshop. You can get your ticket and find out all about it at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. We're going to spend a full day taking a deep dive into this roadmap that I've used to raise millions for my deals, and I've helped other people just like you cumulatively raise hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars for their deals as well. So again, you can check that out at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. And as a loyal listener to the podcast, you'll get 50% off your ticket when you use the discount code PODCAST. That's right, discount code PODCAST at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. See you at the next workshop. But we all know that the consumer price index is a complete fraud because anybody who's gone to the grocery store or, you know, today I bought some, a dog vitamin supplement for my dog on Amazon. Or gasoline. (laughs) Well, we don't even have the gasoline as or healthcare or tuition or a million other things, right? You know, they've gone through the roof, but just this dog supplement, I paid $27 for that, like in April. Okay. Now. It was $30, Yeah, a 10% increase in like a matter of a few months, a couple months, right? It's, it's yeah, they, they, don't ra- they don't raise prices according to the price index. They, they bump them up 10, 15, 20% at a time. That's the way. They, they bump them up according to the pressures from their suppliers, Yeah, right? Exactly. And, you know, so, so that's just the reality of it. One more thing I might share with you, and, and I know we got to wrap it up, but the apples to oranges comparison, right? That's what people are doing, as you wisely said. This is interesting, too. Ah, very interesting. Since 1970, the size of the typical home has increased by 157%. <laughs> okay? It's not apples to apples. Definitely right? not. No, I've seen that. I remember 
my friends' homes when I was a kid, hanging yeah. out with them, and then what the average house looks like today, it's it's sure. like a mansion compared to what I grew up in back then. Exactly. You know, the typical homes back then had only one bathroom. Yeah. Okay. Not two or three or four. Like my house now has four bathrooms. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's just a whole different thing. You know, we had crappy linoleum countertops that were avocado green. You know, we, we <laughs> just certainly like the bathtub. didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's the houses are just completely different. Okay. And look, if you don't believe this, just go look at a 1970 house. And the first thing you're going to say is if I buy this, I got to totally remodel it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because exactly. it's unacceptable to you. Right. And it had low ceilings and everything's totally different. Right. But, but here's what this chart tells us. And of course I know some people are only listening on audio, so we'll try and explain it. We went over the mortgage payment in real dollars. Okay. Right. And here we've got the interest rates in 1970. It was 7.38% by 1990, 15%. It went even higher than that into the eighties. Yeah. And now we're looking at about 6%, okay? But the average square footage was 1,500 square feet in 1970. Today, it's 2,356 square feet. Mind you also, most, a lot of houses, not most, but a lot of houses back then just had carports. Mm -hmm. Now, can you imagine buying a brand new house that's 2,300 square feet without a two-car garage? No, not at all. <laughs> Every one of them has it with a garage door opener and everything else. When I was a kid, we didn't have a garage door opener. Exactly. Uh, you know, I, I remember picking up that door myself, right? You know, it's just a whole different world. But what I want to calculate here is the cost per square foot per month adjusted for inflation. Okay. That's what I'm going to show you. And it's going to blow your mind. All right, okay. let's see this. So this is housing the next slide prices, we're looking at here. Housing prices are much cheaper than most people think. Here it is. Today, in inflation-adjusted dollars, you're paying three cents per square foot per month. So adjusted in, for inflation. Because so in remember- 1970 dollars, it would yep. be the equivalent of three cents. And back in 1970, what were they well, paying? Well, here's the deal. You got a 2,356 square foot home for $76 a month. That's three cents a square foot. In 1970, they were paying eight cents a square foot. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Now, a year 1980 ago. And I, 1980 was, it was much higher. Yeah. 14 cents a square foot. Yeah, much higher. But a year ago and two years ago. And three years ago. Yeah. And Actually, 12 years yeah. ago in 2010, when the market was really cheap, you were paying two cents a foot. So it was 33% less than today. So it is more expensive than it was 12 years ago, one year ago, and two years ago. It's definitely more expensive. It's about a third more expensive now. But historically, over a longer time, 20 years ago, it was four cents a foot. So it was more expensive. Seven cents a foot in 1990, 14 cents in 1980, and eight cents back to 1970. Very interesting. Isn't that interesting that when you think of this properly, when you really drill down on this stuff, housing is much cheaper than most people think. Now- what, what's, what's your big message to people that are freaked out about the current situation and wondering, is it a good time to be buying? Are the interest rates gonna go crazy or is the market gonna crash? I mean, it's good to see the stats and where things were at, but still, yeah. Well, if you look at what happened 12 years ago, 
you know what hit the fan is but is remember that. the houses were much more expensive back then they were we, exactly. we illustrated that that burden, so, so you don't so if i'm hearing yeah. you right then jason you're you're not so concerned about a great correction again now because no. you think the affordability is still really there if we really take the affordability is much better than it was before the Great Recession. Now, since interest, since we've had this interest rate spike, we've definitely seen housing inventory increase. I can share some inventory numbers with you. I think that's one of the most important things to look at because inventory tells the picture. Think of it like a sink, right? The faucet on the sink is the new listings coming into the market. The existing water that's in the sink is what's already on the market, and the okay. drain is the absorption rate. That's the buyers that are buying the properties. Okay. Yeah. So if you plug the drain, meaning nobody's buying, the sink's going to fill up and overflow. And I'm saying this in a bad way. That means we'll have too much inventory, we'll have a glut of housing, and the market will change. But if you slow the faucet down and fewer homes come on the market, and the absorption rate stays. See, you know, it's 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 all these things, right? That matters anyway. You get the metaphor. But inventory has been increasing. Look, we started off the year with the lowest inventory since they've been recording it. Two hundred and ninety-three thousand homes for sale. Okay. We got to the end of the first quarter of this year, and inventory actually went lower to two hundred and forty-one thousand homes for sale. Right now, four hundred and eighteen thousand homes for sale. Where should it be, you know, just compared to what? Yeah, that's the right question. Yeah, you yeah, asked yeah. the exact right question because the, the right question is always compared to what? Mm -hmm. So most experts will tell you that a normal market is about 1 million to 1.5 million homes for sale. And that will leave you at about what they call six months of inventory. Okay. And at this time that we're recording this, we're not even a third there. We're not even a third there. Yeah. Well, depends who you ask, because okay. some people would say we're 40% there. Right. A million. And some people would say we're not even a third there. So it depends who you ask. Right. right. But, but that's a normal market. That's not a recession. That's not a, what they call a buyer's market. Okay. Right now we are in still a very strong seller's market. I'm not saying that's going to last forever. Look, you know, the market is reacting to the current interest rates. It's not reacting to the future interest rates. Right. So, you know, the Fed says they're going to hike rates even more. And what that's going to do is it's going to slow sales even more. Now, there's two other big, big things everybody's got to consider. Okay. And this is probably why all the people professing the real estate crashes here are wrong. Number one, tens of millions of people have incredibly cheap mortgages out there. And they will beg, borrow, or steal to not let that asset go. Hmm. That was certainly not true before the Great Recession. In fact, 24% of all the housing stock in America has a mortgage rate below 3%. Is that a distressed homeowner? No. Most definitely not. No. 40% of all the homes in America are free and clear. They have no mortgage. Wow. They're not Is distressed. that a distressed homeowner? Of course not. No. Most definitely not. Okay. During the Great Recession or run in the time leading up to the Great Recession, we had a bunch of over leveraged, distressed homeowners. We do not have that. 
You cannot show me that. It simply does not exist. The foreclosure rate is like a joke. It's almost nil. Now, it increased recently. And the media reported as, oh my God, foreclosures are up 50%. Well, okay, if Compared you have to 10 what? foreclosures and then you have 15, it's up 50%. But the, <laughs> the, the, the norm was whatever, right? 100. Right. <laughs> it's a nothing burger, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be that way forever. Don't hear me wrong. You know, if they push the mortgage rates up to 10% yeah. or maybe even higher, who knows? You know, it's definitely going to keep slowing the market down and inventory is going to keep increasing. But you just watch the inventory numbers. And the time you start to worry is when we see one to one and a half million homes for sale. Now, I do want to say something about inventory. This is really important to hear this. It depends which survey you're looking at. Mm. The National Association of Realtors publishes the inventory numbers, and they calculate it differently than the numbers I'm using. I'm using Altos numbers. I like them better because those numbers I gave you are strictly homes that are listed for sale that you can buy today. NAR includes all the pending sales and all the contingent sales, and they call that for sale. I think that's wrong. I don't like the way they do it. But regardless of which one you like, just be consistent in the one you look at. Okay, you could look at NAR's data, and if you compare it to a year ago and five years ago and 10 years ago, that's fine, as long as it's the consistent same methodology. If you look at Alto's data, then be consistent about it, yeah. okay? And I'm my numbers are based on the Alto's data. So that's one thing, the, the extremely low mortgage rates, the inventory levels, but here's the other thing. Look, I'm an investor, and all of our clients are investors. We help our investors buy homes nationwide and build investment portfolios. You gotta understand that investing is not about appreciation. That's just the icing on the cake. And exactly. the icing has been fantastic the last couple of years. No one will deny that. We'll take it. I love the, the I love the frosting. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> what we got to remember is investing is about yield. And yield comes from cash flow. And rents are skyrocketing. Mm. And rents always lag prices by about two to three years. So rents have gone up a lot already. But I say they are going up a whole heck of a lot more. They are going to be a lot higher in the next few years. So that's the other reason that I don't think investors should be very worried about the market because they're investing for yield, not for appreciation, hopefully. Okay. And that's why that matters. So Jason. all of those cheap existing mortgages, rents still going up. And remember, when people are priced out of the housing market because housing is unaffordable, they have to rent. Mm -hmm. They only have three choices, buy, rent, be homeless. That's it. Exactly. So that pushes up, puts upward pressure on rents. Well, I love this conversation, Jason, and I, I wish we had more time to dive into it. Yeah. But I know a lot of our listeners are going to want to find out more, get those slides. So if people want to dig more into that big, beautiful brain of Jason Hartman see what you're talking about with those slides, what should they do? Just go to jasonhartman.com is my main website. But if you do jasonhartman.com slash slides, then you can download the slide presentations. And there's lots more stuff there that we didn't have time to discuss. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Jason, thank you so much for giving us a positive yet very rational look at the market from a different perspective. 
from much more rational perspective, not just paying attention to what comes in on the, on the TV. I really appreciate it. Thank you so yeah, much. My pleasure. Lots more on my podcast and YouTube channel. And if you want to take a deeper dive into any of this stuff and happy investing to you and all your uh, listeners. Thank you very much. All right, everybody take care and we'll see you on the next episode. Well, hey there, thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.